We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of Hello and welcome to TV Times 3, episode 213 On this episode we've got some TV news And then we'll be discussing recent episodes of How I Met Your Mother Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Goldbergs, New Girl, and The Walking Dead. Plus a reality check and some TV on DVD picks. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 213. I'm Amory from mytakeontv.com. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week we have joining us... I'm Rob Sesternino from robhasawebsite.com. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, good. To, thanks for having me, guys. I've been a fan, or I've known of you for years. I'm a Survivor fan, diehard fan, so it's really nice to talk to you um, through Skype. Yes, it seems like you, you hedged that a little bit. You, you started with, I've been a fan, and said, well, I've, well, I've known of you for no, a while. No, I have been a fan, and I, I have been a fan. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a Survivor fan in general, so I kind of love everybody. There are certain people that I don't love, and I think we would share who we don't love. But no, you're a familiar face that I've just been a fond of for years, so welcome. Well, thank you very much, Amory. Looking forward to talking some TV with you guys. Well, maybe I'll save that question for the reality segment. I, I was going to ask Rob. A, I'll save it for the reality question segment. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Here comes the preview. We're going to ask Rob a question later. So that's going to happen. Um, news. Well, I have a question about This isn't related to the news. But why is it such a big deal that the Warner Brothers are so excited about Ben McKenzie being cast in a pilot? Was Gotham picked up the series? Yeah, I think I think Gotham was one of the uh, the Fox shows, one of the two or three that they've picked up direct to series. Okay, I just saw that all over, and I was like, I mean, I like him, but it's a pilot. But if it was picked up a series, I understand why casting Ben McKenzie as Jim Gordon makes sense. So that's not on our list, but I just had a question. Um, Fox has canceled X Factor after three seasons, which I maybe watched a total of one episode in three seasons, so I'm not terribly upset about that i'm not a big singing competition you know i'm not a big reality show watching in general but especially the singing competitions i've never really gotten much into those so i never i don't think i even watched any of the x factor (laughs) the the one thing i do kind of like about it being canceled is because i tend to be more of a, a scripted television person is it opens up three hours a week in the fall for potential yeah. scripted shows. Was that how long X Factor was on for? Three yeah, hours a on, week? It was on, what, two nights? Two hours on Wednesday, so they had the whole Wednesday block on Fox, and they had an hour on Thursday. And whatever was on after X Factor was actually losing ratings, because mm-hmm. nobody was watching X Factor. So that does. I mean, you know, three, three hours is a big deal on Fox when you only have <laughs> when, so yeah. much time. Yeah, when you're only uh, programming... Uh, what six nights so so twelve hours when yeah. when three of it is being uh, sucked up by by one thing that is not doing American Idol ratings. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, but even American Idol doesn't do American yeah. Idol ratings anymore. So to be the poor man's American Idol yeah. is not as desirable as it was you know three years ago when they came up with the idea for the X Factor in in the U.S. at least. Yeah, right. especially with how well the voice did. And continues to do like they came out right around the same time. I think the voice was a little before that, but like X Factor just paled in comparison ratings wise. It was just not 
I understand why they're not doing it anymore. And Simon Cowell, you know, wanting to go back to the UK or whatever, good riddance. <laughs> Bye. Right. But I think also, as like you mentioned with the the Gotham show, is that Fox is they're they're trying to do away with the pilot season. That's true. Uh, type of thing. And so they've already, while they're still picking up some things for pilot and stuff, they've picked up a handful or, you know, two or three shows at least now that have gone, that have picked up straight to series. And this, the thing that this also makes good is it opens up for the potential for shows like Almost Human or, uh, or maybe things like Enlisted or stuff like that to, uh, uh, you know Brooklyn Nine Nine, some of these lo- lower rated shows, mm-hmm. uh, to maybe get a second shot because they need, they need, the, they have all this extra space to fill. Yeah. If you have three hours right there in the fall, and then you know you do away with a couple other shows, you're talking about replacing almost half, you know, half your lineup. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. So we'll see. It's only two, what, three months until we find out what Fox will do in the fall. They're kind of dedicated to a year-round schedule, so I don't know what it's going to look like. Good for them. I'm interested to see if it works. Um, NBC has pulled the Michael J. Fox show. I think it's important that you put has pulled, though we're all pretty sure it means it's canceled. But NBC went on record as saying it's not canceled, which makes me think for sure it's canceled. (laughs) So... I mean, it wasn't a great show. I enjoy, I watched every episode, and I I liked each of the parts. It just was starting to gel a little too late, and I think that that's maybe one of its downfalls. But um, it was just—it never should have been a nine thirty show. It should have been a nine o'clock show. It never should have been after Sean Saves the World. I don't know why you would put Michael J. Fox after a show that's failing so poorly. But um, especially when you brought. When the whole hype around bringing Michael J. Fox back was that you were yeah. bringing back, you know, this sort of big sitcom star uh, to star in another sitcom, and and then you sort of relegated it to the last spot in your comedy lineup. It was sort of uh, it was sort of strange. I also kind of find it strange that with only like six or seven episodes left that haven't been aired, that they're that they're pulling it to run uh, Hollywood Game Night uh, episodes. Well, I mean, Hollywood Game Night has like 12 episodes already shot. So, I mean, it's not that they have to get another show. But uh, it's it's just one of those weird things that you've, in this case, you've already paid for these True. episodes. Why not just, they could have just, since they canceled Sean Saves the World and, and you know, stopped production, they could have just blown these out in like three Thursdays or something like that and and been done with it. But apparently they still have to air them someplace because I thought that was part of – they didn't just pick up the show for 22 episodes. They picked it up with like a guarantee that all 22 would air. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. NBC doesn't make any sense. They have a show. Their best comedy that they haven't given an air date to, which I wouldn't have believed this in the fall, but Undateable with Chris D'Elia is hilarious. And it has no end, no air date in sight, and I feel like it's going to be one of those bent burnoffs. Yeah, that's going to. And we're going to lose it. Um, they will do the the three episodes or the two episodes, episodes in in three weeks or something like that. Uh, so burnoff. That's another NBC cancellation. Um, Netflix has renewed House of Cards for a third season, and House of Cards season two drops on Friday the fourteenth. So before season two even aired, they got season three and. I think that that might have been a foregone conclusion, but I don't know. I, I didn't make it all the way through the first season, so who knows? 
Well, do you guys feel like that that's a signal that season two is just really good or because Robin Wright won the Golden Globe that they automatically just figure, no, this show is is surefire going to be back for a third season? I feel like it's a combination of both because I think that, you know, a lot of shows, there was another show recently that got picked up for another, Black Sails got picked up for season two before season one even aired. I think that it's just a matter of they've seen what they've shot for season two and they really think people are going to respond. Plus, it's getting even more word of mouth because Robin Wright got the Golden Globe. Um, I think it's just they they got lucky and got a really good show that so people say, I don't know, like I said, I didn't watch it. I like Kevin Spacey. I actually like the whole cast. I just never made it all the way through. But I think they're just counting on word of mouth now, taking them even further and if a lot of people will probably watch a season two knowing that a season three is coming with the way binge watching kind of works these days. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing too, that people are probably thinking, okay, why do I want to sit down and watch 13 episodes? Is there more coming? And if there's more coming, that's a good sign. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, uh, I may have something, you know, something to do with, you know, somebody getting an award or mm-hmm. whatever, but I think there's also some of it is they probably have seen that it, you know, it looks probably to them that is the stories they're telling are just as good as, you know, the first season and, yeah. and the way, you know, sort of production cost is there's, there's like no reason to not continue. If it's, if it's showing good numbers of people watching it on, uh, on Netflix, uh, that's, that's the one thing since they'll never tell us like how right. many people are actually watching these things. Uh, but it also could have been that, as maybe around a Golden Globes win and news of, you know, the, the premiere date for season two, that all of a sudden the season one, uh, the numbers ticked up again for it, you know, yeah. leading into it. And they were like, well, you know, there's a bunch of people checking this out for again. So uh, as long as, uh, as long as they keep having these exclusives that get, you know, sort of the good critical praise and maybe win some yeah. awards and stuff like that. Uh, they'll keep making, they'll keep making them as long as their, yeah. their subscriber base keeps growing. You know? It could be that they wanted to keep Kevin Spacey too. Lock him in for season three now. Well, it's also, it was their first high profile, you yeah. know, uh, tech, you know, technically it was their second sort of series that, uh, but they're, uh, that gets sort of billed as their first series, but it was really the one that made the big splash yeah. uh, initially. And uh, I, I would think that that could easily be around for multiple seasons past past three, as long as the people involved want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. So our last piece of news is we've been talking about this for what feels like months. USA Network has finally officially announced that Psych will end at the end of season eight. To anybody who knows anyone involved with anything having to do with Psych, you know, I know the EPs, we know the people involved, we know that all the cast is getting other shows. The sets were struck in October. Like, it's, the writing was 100% on the wall. I don't know why it took USA this long, but the last five episodes that are going to air are the last five episodes of Psych, and that'll start February 27th. And though I've known it's coming probably mid-season six, in other words, season eight, it still sucks because I love them. That's my official take. It sucks. At least they finally did. Like instead of like we were joking around that they were going to wait until like the final episode to say, "Oh, by the way, this is the last one." Yeah. Uh, by the way, you can't see it anymore. <laughs> With that all being done, you would think that they might have gone into 
like hyping the whole final season as this is the final season of Psych instead of waiting and and sort of trying to hype like the second half of it after it returns after the Olympics to uh, uh, to be the, the final five episodes. I don't know. Is that that there is a little strange to me, but, you know. Some of the things that networks do are, are a little I strange. I know. I mean, you look at something like Burn Notice, they build that last seventh season for like two years that it was the final season. <laughs> yeah. And then Psych gets seven weeks. By the way, our longest running show, seven weeks, it's out, it's gone. And I, I have to say, it was not canceled. Yeah. Well, in the true, okay, in the traditional way I think of canceling, it wasn't Michael J. Fox, for example. It was a show that they all maybe talked about doing a season nine and decided, no, let's go out how we're going to go out. So yeah, so the episode, the season finale will air March 26th, series finale, March 26th, and then there'll be an hour-long Q&A retrospective after the show, and I'm sure that the show will continue to be incredible. I mean, to be in an eighth season like it is and still be making episodes that make me laugh like they make me laugh, I can't really complain. Yeah, I, I think the, I think it's probably a good thing considering how all the other people are doing other things and that even though this is you know the final season it's sort of a strange season in that characters disappear for whole episodes mm-hmm. because they don't have access to everybody right. uh, so that's made you know it, it a little strange hopefully uh, what they are billing as the final you know five episodes will actually have everybody in them yeah so that's the news anything else is out there you can find it um prime time okay so our first prime time show how about your mother? Season nine, episode seventeen, sunrise. Boy, <laughs> I know it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it, this is a this is a show that really is showing that uh, it was time for it to go because the, especially the last few episodes, while I was sort of happy to see that you know like the gang was all back together uh, at the end all the stories have sort of felt like, haven't we been here before? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I don't know. It just, uh, I mean, it, it, they'd had a little fun with being able to bring back, uh, you know, a way to bring back uh, various uh, people that Ted has dated, uh, you know, via phone conversations, uh, which seems to be uh, the cameo of choice for uh, the final season of how I met your mother. Right. They should yeah. be bringing a lot of people back via phone call. That that worked kind of okay. Uh, some of uh, Barney's stuff was kind of funny with, uh, you know, he was still <laughs> drunk and uh, decided to, you know, he came across a couple of guys and decided to impart his wisdom. <laughs> that, you know, but the whole but the whole Ted Robin part of it was just uh, like, haven't we been uh, here before? Yes. Yeah. I the felt Barney that way about the Barney. Got old. And, yeah. and the Robin and Ted stuff has been old for me since like season two. <laughs> oh my God. And I felt it was such a letdown after I felt like at least two episodes ago, I felt like the stuff with the mother was, was pretty good. I thought they were a little heavy handed with the whole that she had a boyfriend who died and it was like, she didn't, she's talking to his ghost and that was, I felt like it got a little heavy handed, but overall I thought that was a really fun episode of the show. You know, besides the whole death thing, but yeah. the this uh, this last episode was such, 
such a was such a letdown. But I mean, the whole Barney subplot that has been going on, where he's so drunk and then he's telling the truth, and then now he's gone into a different phase of being drunk, and now he's going to go out and tell the bro code to two random guys. Oh my god, I felt like uh, that was that was. I was very bored during that, and really, Ted and Robin on the beach. I feel like Ted, Ted is a horrible friend. I mean, I, I would if Ted, if I was Barney, I would hate Ted. Like, uh, who does that? So, what did you do last night? Oh well, we were looking for you on the beach until sunrise. Uh, and then I professed my undying love to your fiance, and she floated away like a balloon. And I don't know, I just thought, and everybody's saying how, like, the green screen work when Robin was floating away was so awful. To me, the worst green screen was almost when Barney was uh, encountering the two bros on, the, like, the bridge or something. It's like, they're walking in front of a poster. Like it, Every bit of green screen that's had them out on the road to into town is, like, the worst. It, it's like they definitely don't have the budget for for yeah. that. Uh, there's no, there's like no depth to it whatsoever. Uh, and I agree about the mother episode. It was, it, yes, it was a little heavy handed, like you said, but it was so great that they were able to kind of almost seamlessly build her into their history so that we get her kind of side of when Ted was in her class and we get her side of when Ted was, you know, running by her, the yellow umbrella, that kind of thing. I just wish that we wouldn't have her for a whole episode and then she disappears again. The whole idea is that we're supposed to be, I mean, I'd like to get to know her a little bit more if we're supposed to believe that Ted and the mother had such a great, wonderful relationship and we're running out of time. There's only like six episodes left. I don't know. It's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's like, it's definitely, uh, I've been here this long. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to stick it out. Uh, there's there's no quitting now. But uh, but yeah, at this whole season has been... Uh, sort of that that up and down thing where you know when it first started when you first heard about the idea that they were doing you know it was all going to take place for the most part on the the wedding weekend you're like oh man how are they going to do that but then like the first couple episodes like weren't too bad right but then all of a sudden then it got like really old of not having of like Marshall having on the longest road trip ever <laughs> right you were just like he wasn't really that far away considering that they basically drove straight through he seemed like he should have got there much sooner and so some of that didn't work then they had you know they've had these episodes where the mother appears and you know those work really well i think they casted her really well i mean uh and then when they did the episode you know that was all about the mother and they played around with all those things from the past of you know the close calls and the the exchanging back and forth of the umbrella and uh, you know, the, the little stuff like she's the only one in the class that laughs at his joke mm -hmm. uh, type of things. You know, they did, they did a, you know, they did a really good job with that stuff. They did really start out. I mean, when you start out a half hour comedy with uh, somebody just died, <laughs> that can really put a damper on things. Sure. Uh, but uh for the most part, I thought they they played with that pretty well, and you know, ending with her uh, playing the song and Ted hearing it, I, a lot of those things worked. Uh, I'm hoping that in the last few episodes, that maybe we get a little more of the future, you know, the future Ted and the mother, uh, like we've been getting, right. uh, and and hopefully we get to see more 
of because I don't think she's quite met everybody else yet, and and so maybe she runs into a couple more the people. Only person, the only person she hasn't met is Robin, or has she met Robin and I missed that? I don't I don't think so. I, it seems like there's still a there's still s- something out there that they can play with for uh, yeah. for for meeting there, but. Just sort of looking forward to it ending. <laughs> I know it's horrible. It's horrible. I would never have said years ago. Well, actually, I probably would because I quit watching like season five and then came back in six and then quit seven and came back in eight. But it's just you don't want to say like I can't wait for it to be over. It's more you, you should think or you would hope that at this point it's like I can't wait to see how it ends. <laughs> but I just want it to get there. I just want it to be done so that I don't know. Maybe people can move on and Jason Siegel can. Get help. I don't know. He looks ill. He looks ill. He he needs help. Anyway. He's too skinny? Is that what the problem is? It, it looks like, yes. Like, he's just wasting away. Oh, no. Anyway. Or Marshall. I mean, that's the, the least important part of it, but it's important. Um, so that's how I met your mother. It looks like we're all kind of holding on just for the sake of holding on at this point, and... I mean, maybe it'll surprise us and we'll have a huge, last, really great run, really, really great, like, last six episodes, but I don't know. Fool me once. Fool me 87 times. <laughs> yeah, and here's where we end up. Um, so next on our list, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, Episode 13, Track. <laughs> so, uh, so, Amory, are you on the, I don't know, the same... Uh... I don't know the same train, I guess, as a, as a lot of other people. <laughs> in that, uh, you you see an uptick in the show. Uh, well, here's the thing: Ray and I have been talking about this. I think that this is a solid episode, and I can understand why people think it might be on the upswing or it might be creatively like moving forward really strongly. And I can understand that to a certain degree, where you know they went back and kind of told the story from each different angle. But I am not caring about any of the characters whatsoever so it's become almost why am i watching i'm not saying i think it's a bad show not saying that i think it's losing its way or lost its way or had no way to begin with i just i'm just not connecting with it well i think i think there has been some of you know it's gotten better uh, as it's gone along there are two things about this episode one is it's finally starting to delve more into creating sort of an overarching story with some other group out, you know, a, sort of a big bad or something that they're yeah. another group they're going up against where they're starting to flesh that out a little more with the, you know, the clairvoyant and, and all that. Uh, and then the second thing was on an individual basis, it was a really good episode just based on the way they told the story where you get to a certain point and then it jumps back and you see what, happened up until that time from, you know, a different person's perspective, right. uh, you know, until they're all sort of back together in the same place at the end. And uh, just the way they told the story there, that made the episode, like, probably one of the better episodes they've done oh, sure. uh, this season. So I'm interested to see if they can build off of this and continue on or, you know, because... They've kind of done some of these things before, and then like the next episode is just sort of like a one-off. Right. <laughs> You're just like, and granted, with how this one ends, they can't. You know, they've got to play out this story. You know, at least for another episode, uh, when you put uh, one of your characters clinging to 
to life. You can't just like. But at the same time, we know they're not going to kill her off. Well, they're not. You can't. You can't set up one of your characters as potentially being an the savior or whatever. <laughs> well, a really so... big deal, and that uh, people have been trying to protect her for <laughs> forever, and then all right. the, you give all that backstory, and then you're like. <laughs> And then you kill her off. That would be, that would be the worst because that's part That'd of. That'd be a bummer. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be a waste of the time I've spent on the show. I don't know. I just. I mean, if anybody's going to do it, it would be the Whedon's. Like they could kill someone off. But. That would be. I just, they're it, not going to. Uh, they would completely lose me if they finally have started adding in an interesting backstory for one of their characters, <laughs> and then, just as. That sort of investigation is starting to get interesting, finally. They're like, oh, we're going to kill that character off. Yeah, no need for her anymore. We're not going to explore that anymore. Because what would be the point of exploring it if you didn't have the person that might be the unidentified (laughs) object or whatever? So, uh, So, spoiler alert, Chloe Bennett's not going anywhere, at least for now. Maybe in season five, if they make it to season two, that'll happen. Um, I don't know, it just... The show's fine. It's just not. I don't, and it's not even that I'm going to say something like other people are doing the whole. It's not what I thought it would be. It's not what I wanted to be. I had no preconceived notions or any idea what I wanted it to be. I just knew that I was going to watch it because I like the people involved. But it's not like it's not living up to expectations. It's just falling flat for me. So other people can love it and um support it and that's great and if that helps them get more viewers or more whatever then good for them but it's really it's on the fence for me right now so i don't know how much longer it's going to make it on my list oh no (laughs) well well you know that sounds like a threat amory (laughs) (laughs) yeah you better watch out people from shield that are listening Um, abc and marvel and disney (laughs) (laughs) amory's got amory's put you on notice I put so many things on notice. Nobody <laughs> takes me seriously anymore. Uh, yes, because if they did, you know how much "How I Met Your Mother" would be so much better right now. It's true. <laughs> the amount of times I put "How I Met Your Mother" on notice, you would think they would listen. They don't. Anyway, but yeah, that's... Marvel's Agents of Shield all along has been that show where, because of the world that they've set it in, there's obvious potential, you know, for sure. what they can do. And I think the last handful of episodes. Uh, at least for me, based on what I've been seeing from the show uh, and what I've been thinking that it's missing, it seems to be filling in those holes and uh, you know creating those bigger stories and uh, and so I'm I am more interested now to see how the rest of the season plays out than I was when they took sort of their couple weeks off, you know, at the mid-season break. Right. Uh, it was sort of like. Yeah, okay, I'll come back. <laughs> but they, I think they've done enough in the last couple episodes to heighten my interest a little bit more. That I want to see if they can really take this and and really go somewhere. Because okay. uh, I've been it, they they said all along they have sort of like a two year plan, and I've been saying since the beginning it would be nice if they started implementing it, and so maybe they have. <laughs> yeah. Because is it too late then that they might um, not even get a second season for their two-year plan? So, fingers crossed for them. Uh, We'll see where I stand on it in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, ABC is is not in all that great a shape overall, that there's no way that this doesn't 
this would have to so sink in the ratings over the next. Uh, this is you know, true. A, this is what true. is it? Uh, uh, is it uh, nine episodes that it'd have to uh, totally drop off the table for it not to get a, another season. This is true. Agreed. But I'm just making the point. Too little, too late. Get hurt them. So that's Marvel's Agents of Shield. The Goldbergs, season one, episode fifteen, Muscles Mursky. Brooklyn Nine Nine is my favorite new show of the season. But the Goldbergs ranks up there so high. I think that everybody is ridiculous. I think Wendy McClendon Covey is, she just approaches this role with so, she's like reckless abandon. She doesn't care. I think that it's so funny. And I love Adam Goldberg. And I love that he's very true to his Jenkintown roots, which is where I'm near. And I just loved this episode. And maybe it's because I didn't have a lot of Barry. Barry's not exactly my favorite character, though I think he does really funny things. Um, it was just nice. It was a good episode. I don't know. What does everybody think? Yeah, you know, I am, I feel very strongly the same way about the show that you do, but I am a big Barry fan. <laughs> and I feel like it, who the the youngest kid is that is he Adam on the show? Yeah. I I don't like him as much. The uh the actual Adam Goldberg character. But mm-hmm. I do. I love everybody else on the show. Did Barry rap about a Ferris wheel this week or was that last week? Uh, he was talking about the, you got to get the girls in the Ferris wheel. He was talking yeah. about. I mean, the when he raps his big tasty, it's really funny. <laughs> like I do enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> I like that we got to see. This is the week where we got to see um, the mom and the daughter really interact, and the whole reading her diary and planning a story. It's just so classic, like teenager sitcom stuff. So good. I did feel like I feel like we've seen this story already a little bit between mm. the mom and the daughter. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the episode was, but there was another one where it was, you know, it was with uh, with she was in the uh, League of Nations at the right, school. And she pretended to do all that stuff, and then she realized maybe she should do actually something. Yeah, it felt like we, you know, we've traveled this road a little bit before, but. Um, I still love the show. You know, I love it when they're doing things like they're blowing in the Nintendo cartridges and, uh, <laughs> you know, just little, little things like that. I really, uh, that the uh, Adam Goldberg was wearing like a, an amazing stories t-shirt, uh, this week. So it's just the, the nostalgia really, um, really makes it a, a fun watch for me. And it feels like the show is doing better in the ratings every week. Like people are finding it. And mm-hmm. it's the little things like I, you know, I have people in my life that don't watch as much TV as I do. And so I was on Facebook and one of my sister's friends said something about, oh, Mur- Muscles, Mercy and Adam are going to make it like they made it as friends. And I was like, you actually know what the Goldbergs is like to me. It exists so much in the critic world, TV blogger world where people know what it is, but the real people don't necessarily. So it was kind of. It, it was nice to see it kind of bleeding into the public that people actually know what the Goldbergs is. Yeah, I'd put it up there as one of the better new comedies of, of the season. Uh, but it had been one that I'd fallen behind on uh, just because of the amount of things that I watch. And so this uh, having it – putting it on the list uh, for this week's podcast, it gave me a good chance to catch up. Mm-hmm. And so when you asked a second ago uh, – what something was from. I was like, I'm pretty sure that was from this last episode, but I watched like 10 over the weekend. So (laughs) (laughs) that that, it it sort of all runs together in like one giant 
long episode. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think of, I love the nostalgia stuff because, you know, I too grew up playing with, you know, Transformers and, you know, and all that type of stuff. Do you feel that it almost feels like they're running through a lot of it really quickly? <laughs> and that like in a season two, or if this were actually to make like a second or third season that you're like, what other, what other things are you going to do? Well, do you guys like the decision that they say, oh, it's February 6th, 1980 something. So they're really sort of not like tied into a specific time. So then basically they could, you know, that yeah. you could have when Harry met Sally and Nintendo and whatever. And, you know, things that probably may not have been all at the same time. Then they basically, you know, have carte blanche. But I wonder if they were said like, oh, it's, you know, 1984 right now. And then they have to like keep themselves to things from that specific era. I wonder right. if that might ultimately have been a better way to go than to just make it a free for all of all things eighties. Because then if it's a free for all, you're gonna to want to try and get in as many you know, gags or sight gags or like the t shirt. You almost wanna try and put too much into an episode and then you may run out of things. I mean, the eighties was a great time. You're not gonna run out of too much, but um but yeah, I I, I like all the nostalgia. I do worry that there's something that's... They might get to the point where it's going to be too obscure down the line yeah. because they've run out of all the stuff we all know. The okay, bones of the Nintendo cartridge. And for instance, like when Harry Met Sally, according to IMDb, came out in 1989, yeah. and they watched it on VHS. That's right. So <laughs> <laughs> we're already, it's like, you know... Later on into the year in in 1989, so right. um, they're sort of all over the place. I don't think that the Goldbergs is uh, officially canon. Yeah, there that that's the that was the only thing that uh, that sort of bothered. I mean, I get it on one hand that it makes it more difficult that you have to actually research a certain time frame to make sure that you're not throwing something out there that didn't come out until like two months later or something because you have those people that'll come out and go. You said it was February. Like you said, you said it was February seventh. That didn't come out till the summer. Yeah, of, there are like three people year. on my Facebook that in the pilot. They're like, that didn't happen. I'm like, <laughs> back off. Let and, them have. And so I get that sort of on a on a creativity scale of you. You know, you leave yourself open to anything at any time. You know, being able to draw that in and it it kind of works. Uh, but it to me it almost becomes does this becomes sort of like The Simpsons where. As this, as no matter how long the series goes, it never, it never ever can leave the '80s right. uh, type of thing, and they just sort of pull things from from all over the place. Because uh, yeah, I mean, in this already, they're, they're already working with the you know Star Wars, uh, Temple of Doom, you know, <laughs> Harry mm -hmm. and Sally, uh, Top Gun, uh, you know, the number of movies that they've already seen. <laughs> and like you said, some of them have come out way at the end and some of them in the middle, some of them at the beginning of the 80s. Uh, they really are drawing from like it's, – it's a real mishmash. Mm -hmm. And uh, while, like I said, creatively, I think it makes it easier to write because any time an idea pops into your head, you don't have to – limit yourself Wait to until you get there in the seventh season right yeah you don't mm -hmm. have to limit yourself or or yeah or there's things that you would want to play a joke off of but you you know it's something you couldn't do for a couple more seasons or something uh i get that uh 
but at times it does feel kind of weird when, yeah. uh, you know, like he has an episode about, you know, wanting to get the, the Reebok pumps, you know, and, and then the next episode he's wearing Nikes and an episode <laughs> later he's wearing like Adidas when he dresses up as, as big tasty. Uh, you know. <laughs> I don't pay that much attention. That's my thing. I just, uh, let the show be funny and I'll be with it. I don't, I'm not trying yeah. to pay that much attention. I just happen to notice these things as they go <laughs> along and, and occasionally it draws me out of mm-hmm. uh, the re- recreation. But uh, I think my favorite episode, well, uh, this one, as, as a show, the show is very much uh, the Wonder Years, but set in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last episode definitely had that Wonder Years feel because it really was the story revolved around the youngest son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But the thing I like about the Goldbergs is everything doesn't just revolve around the youngest son. The other characters get their own storylines. They're mm-hmm. not sort of uh, like in the Wonder Years, you know, the older brother and older sister or mainly Wayne. You know, yeah. sideline characters. They they didn't Wayne. get uh, a whole <laughs> much uh, there wasn't a whole much of uh, storylines involving them or the you know, even the parents that much. There was an older sister on, on Wonder Years? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then he's <laughs> She's the best. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, so so He was basically around to be a hippie. Yeah, no, I remember the I remember the actress now. Now that you mention it, but they didn't really do a ton with her, right? Yeah, yeah the, it was it was really about it was really about you know the youngest son and yeah. and his you know his friends. Yeah, uh, and so I like that in this it's about the family, yeah, and you see a lot of stories. But the mom is the best character. Uh, the episode where she teaches Adam to dance. Uh, she so went all out for those oh, yeah. for that those couple of dance segments. Those were hilarious. Yeah, she's. I think she's my favorite. <laughs> Even though you would want to just like smother her <laughs> for how oh, much yeah. she smothers her her <laughs> kids and, and and stuff. But uh, and she. I think she's my favorite character on on the show. Agreed. So Goldberg, we all kind of love it, and we want to see more of it, and I just really do love it. I just, I, I really say about a lot of things, I'm just like, I just love this, but I really do. Yeah, um, I, I really, I, I swear, though, if, that if it, if Wednesday nights was the middle, the Goldbergs, Modern Family, Trophy Wife, it would be, I like, know. the best two-hour block. I mean, I don't mind the Purgatory being there. And yeah, I don't, I don't mind it, too, but... Ending soon, but um, and you know what? I have to say this, though. Against my better judgment, I've watched the first four episodes of Mixology, and I don't hate it. Oh. So. Well. But, I was fully prepared to hate it, uh, and I watched it, and I didn't. So there's maybe potential. <laughs> I, well, I think they've got an interesting idea, and the way that they're going at it is interesting. But a couple of the characters that most, that mainly a couple of the guys that they have stuff revolving around, I, I hate them. <laughs> like, I, I just as a sort of a, a representation of the male gender, you're just like, no, 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 this is terrible. These no, I think that's... are are absolutely. I can't, I can't believe some of the stuff they have them saying and and thinking is a good idea. It's just, oh man. I, I think that's like a three or four episode run here for Mixology. I think it's too high concept. Yeah, like the fa- when for I first a comedy. Heard it was only gonna, exactly. When I first heard it was only going to be set 
in one night, like that's taking the How I Met Your Mother idea just beyond. And now <laughs> mm-hmm. it's going to be, what, five hours and 13 episodes? I just. Well, they, they, the, the thing is, is I, you finally get to see that they are doing. Uh, they do some flashbacks to right. as so they introduce each character, uh, you know, sort of getting you up to speed to where they are right. uh, as of now. Uh, but that, but that's also weird in that it's going to take five episodes before they fully introduced because they introduce they introduce characters. two characters each episode, and while you see some of the other ones also in the episode. They sort of really focus the main, like the A storyline, on yeah. on two characters, and but there's some that you haven't even seen yet of the ten that they're going to be introducing, and so it won't be until five episodes in before you have like everybody, everybody's there, you know, kind of thing. So that's our mini preview of mixology. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's coming, and I don't think it's been a lot. Uh, New Girl, season three, episode fourteen, Prince. And episode 15, X's. I really liked the Prince episode. I actually laughed out loud a lot, specifically, most notably, when Nick first met Prince and passed out. I thought that was pretty genius. Just because Jake Johnson's really good at physical comedy. <laughs> the show itself this season has been, like, down for me. I just feel like it hasn't clicked. And I think these last two episodes, I felt better about it. But then I saw people say online that they didn't like the Prince episode. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so what do you think, Rob? I did not care for the Prince episode. I felt like it was, there were some funny things in it, but I just felt like it really, you know, this is the sitcom TV trope of on after the Super Bowl, we need the big stunt Mm. casting and we're just going to shoehorn Prince into an episode. And I kind of felt like, it was the least interesting part of the episode, which there was some funny things going on with Nick and Jess, but I felt like it took a backseat to, you know, having a, a fashion show with Prince. Yeah. <laughs> that was incredibly pointless. Yeah, I, I think that when they when they landed some, you know, somebody like Prince that they completely sold out to, you know, really include him into the episode mm-hmm. so that it wasn't just, a, you know, just like a cameo type of thing. I think a couple of the things worked. I thought it was really funny when he came out and he started to say something and then he was like, oh, wait, I didn't give you enough time to react. Yeah. <laughs> that that type of stuff that they played off of his persona was, uh, was funny. But I also felt like, while well, it's Prince, would this group of people in the age that they are, would Prince really be that big of a deal? They should have had him on the Goldbergs as a cameo. When the Goldbergs is on after the Super Bowl, that would be huge. Yes. Well, well, you know, I feel like you know, there's sort of a handful of people that sort of have the, you know, in the in music that have sort of that Prince persona or something like that, or you know, uh, you know, sort of a one name type of association. It still felt like would these people in their I mean, they're supposed to be like in their late twenties, right? I think they're early thirties. You know, late twenties to early thirties. Would Prince be that big of a deal? I don't know. Speaking uh, um, from that generation, not to me. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know that. That also felt 
you know, felt kind of weird uh, in the episode, just on that scale, too. I mean, uh, Prince, Prince was in the episode because Prince went to the people from New Girl and said he wanted to be a part of the show. So that's kind of how they scored him, but you're right. They did, I, while I laughed, I loved, like, Fire and Ice, two of them getting into the party, and then Nick and Schmidt trying it and just failing miserably. Like, I liked that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Prince stuff did, and Prince making pancakes, like, that's weird. And the butterfly thing, that was weird, but I still enjoyed it. I did like the um, the coach and... Winston? Yeah, and, and Winston stuff, uh, where they started to gel a little bit more as, you know, they've been friends for, uh, you know, a while, too. Yeah. And uh, and the the whole fire and ice thing to get into the party and... I, I thought that worked to help bring their characters along. Right. Uh, I really liked the next episode, X's. I thought that worked. I thought a lot of the stuff in that episode worked uh, uh, pretty well, uh, including <laughs> uh, all three of them ending up bringing <laughs> a woman back to Schmidt's place. I mean, as soon as he gave them keys, you knew that was kind of going to be the situation. <laughs> Um, but the way they handled it and how Winston walked out of the room and yelled, I'm Frank Abopoulos, like I, that's good stuff. I and mean, it is nice to see them gelling because they, they, they don't know what to do with Lamar Moore. They don't know how to write for Winston. And especially bringing someone like Damon Williams on, they want to write for coach. They don't know how to write for Winston. Now they're starting to understand how to write for them all together. And mm-hmm. I think that's very important um, because you can't just have one character flailing and, you know, being obsessed with a cat for weeks, which, while it's funny, it's just, why are we doing this? Yeah. And, I, I don't know. and I loved Adam Brody. I thought he was just so skeevy and perfect. And uh, I love Mary Elizabeth. She's just one of my favorite people on earth. Um, so it was fun to see Caroline back, even though she's, I don't remember her being crazy. They kind of retconned her character a little bit. Um, but I liked... I liked that it caused Nick to kind of confront the fact that, yeah, he did love Jess from, like, day one. It wasn't just something he grew into. Going back to the point with Winston, it feels like sometimes he's on his own show, where everybody else is sort of, like, very, you know, grounded in reality, and he's sort of, like, and much more so than, like, in a Kramer sort of way. He's just, like, on a totally different show than than everybody else sometimes. And while it's funny, it does really seem like they just, they don't know what to do with him. Right. And I mean, I got, you know, concerns for him as an actor because Damon Wayans Jr. is so funny and can do so much with so little sometimes. Like even Coach just having a stopwatch all the time. Like someone else, maybe a different actor, wouldn't be as capable and as funny as that is. Uh, so I got nervous for Lamar Morris that, you know, they don't know how to write for him already and then they're bringing in this old character that he kind of was written in to replace. But I, I'm glad that to see the three of them, Schmidt and Winston and Coach, having their own little story in their own little world this week where they didn't need Nick and Jess. They didn't need Cece so much. It just, it was nice. It was, it felt balanced for the first time in a while. That's my thought. Yeah. I, I, I hope, hopefully they can, you know, continue down that. Uh, maybe they've come back around to, uh, cause part of it was just some of the stories that they tell that they told that, you know, it made it, it wasn't just CC being 32 and still being, you know, trying to make it as a model, uh, which is one of the things they've gone away with because that was sort of a weird storyline. <laughs> but 
but also having her and Schmidt fighting, that made it even harder to integrate her into any storylines for the first part of the season until they sort of have now become friends again. And now that they've had coach back on for a little bit, maybe they can do more things with him and Winston because they seem Mm -hmm. to really. I mean, uh, when they were baking in Jess's birthday episode, that was fantastic. Yeah. It, them having competitions, those, those type of things I think are, are funny. And so hopefully they have, I liked having Schmidt move out because it, it opened it up, uh, you know, even more mm-hmm. uh, to, to what could happen in the building, uh, sort of a, the the friends aspect of having, you know, two two groups living right across the hall from each other. And, you know, I I just hope that they find they seem to have figured out that Cece is now going to work at the bar. Right. Uh, so that's one way to integrate her in more uh, than just when she's, uh, you know, hanging out with Jess. Uh, but they re- they need to figure out like Winston needs to figure out like what <laughs> what his job is or what he's, well, he's going to be a cop now. Yeah. <laughs> and they also need to figure out well they need to realize more than figure out that we don't want to see Nick and Jess doubt their relationship every episode and say is this going to work and then come to a conclusion that yes it's going to be fine. Like if you're going to put them in a relationship you're going to have to have planned ahead. And thought about this, and maybe every couple episodes they have some kind of story that comes up that could kind of put a damper on things. Um, like, it doesn't need to be a fight because they say, I love you. It doesn't need to be... That's why I think X has handled it really well, because it wasn't really about Nick and Jess's relationship. It was about how Nick doesn't handle other relationships. And so it wasn't an episode about them saying, oh, are we okay? Are we going to be okay? They, it was just about him, like, dealing with his past. And that. Why I think I liked it more because it wasn't about, oh, Nick and Jess are going to fight or going to break up. Are they going to break up? Is it going to be okay? And they can't do that every episode if they want me to invest in something. That's just my two cents, new girl writers who are listening. <laughs> Take that to the bank. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so that's New Girl. New Girl, season three. The Walking Dead, season four, episode nine, after mid-season premiere. How about it? So what'd you think, Rob, after this big, the way things ended at the end of of the mid-season and where it starts up? The Walking Dead's in a tough spot because I kind of feel like there's like um, two schools of thought with The Walking Dead where some there are people like, oh, this was boring because there was, there was not a lot of action in this episode. And then there's other people who, when there's a lot of action, they say, well, there's no story. It's just all... <laughs> And, and so no matter what they do, there's always going to be somebody that complains about every episode of The Walking Dead. But the good thing is that for them is that everybody watches it, even if, you know, half the people are watching it to complain about it. Yeah, even so, the 18 to 49 demographic, it beat out the Olympics. So, yeah. <laughs> so I have to say I I enjoyed this episode. I don't think it was without flaws. It was it was definitely interesting. But, you know, the thing that I'm starting to realize with The Walking Dead is that there's not really a plot like there's no like overarching story where it's like they're trying that, you know, the Walking Dead people are trying to get to X because if they get there, then they'll be safe or there's no they're basically they're kind of screwed no matter what they do, no matter where they go. (laughs) Yeah, they blew that out of the water in the first six episodes when (laughs) they basically said. There's no cure, and everybody yeah. has it. You know? 
So maybe if there was some sort of thing where it's like, oh, if we can just get to Hawaii, then we can be <laughs> safe. But we'll be surrounded by whatever. But there's no there there. So we might as well get to know some of these characters. So I don't mind it when they slow things down and do sort of a character study episode. Yeah, especially they give you uh, some actual backstory on Michonne, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, that was interesting, even though it threw me off for a second. Uh, since I was fast forwarding through the commercials, I fast forwarded right through that section and then went, oh, wait, that's the show. <laughs> and I had to go back. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there was uh, there was some stuff like that. It was a, l- a little slow. The thing that kind of bothers me with the show is like in this one, they're just showing you two of the characters for the most, or, you know, two groups. And it looks like, you know, the next episode, you're not really going to see anything about these two characters. Right. You're going to see a couple of other different groups and what they, you know, what they, what happened to them right afterwards. And, uh, and sometimes I wish they would tell all of these stories at the same time. And maybe it takes two episodes to get you to where they're at, but you, you don't spend, you know, necessarily all the time, like I, I go back and I wonder how much better the governor stuff would have worked if instead of saving it all for two episodes right before the finale, if we would have seen all of that stuff taking place at the same time as we saw the other people and 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 what had happened since, if it would have grown slower and been more interesting by the time we reached the the end instead of sort of going back and just doing this whole two episodes of of yeah. what he had been doing uh, at the same time. And I didn't mind when they did the whole thing with the governor. I, I liked the first episode. Then I thought they doubled down. And then I thought they <laughs> spent too much time with him. And I felt like it seemed like the first episode was like, oh, we're reinventing the governor. We're going to you know, completely make you understand him and be sympathetic to him. But then I felt like they sort of spent all that goodwill in the second episode. And he was just as crazy as ever by the end of the second episode of just him. So I felt like that was too long. Like even, you know, there are many other shows that would not even attempt to go two episodes without seeing any of the principal characters. <laughs> I felt like that was too much to spend with the governor. But I, I like the idea of one episode with him. Do you, um, Rob, are you a fan of the, the graphic novels? Are you a fan of, did you know, did you follow that part of it? Do you follow Robert's stuff? Or no, I did not. I TV? I've just been a fan of the TV show. I've been, um, you know, I've been following it since it since it came on. I only recently, in the last year, started podcasting about it as well as one of the shows that we cover. So I've really just become, you know, acquainted with it from watching it on TV. And I try to not know spoilers from the comics, but I think that unlike Game of Thrones, it's really not uh, canon from right. what happens in the comic books. Yeah, I think they're they sort of hit some of the same places and uh you know they started out with a a lot of you know some of the same characters but mostly they're not necessarily everything going the exact uh you know same same way you know some of the same characters end up dying but they they may not die for quite some time you know well john bernthal's character didn't isn't he still in the comics whatever rick's best friend's name was Shane? Yeah. Actually, is he still in the comics? Or I thought that that was one of the characters that actually died like really quickly in the comics, but they kept him around for. Yeah, I I think he is dead in the comics. I do do know know that. 
And then you have, you know, then you have somebody like uh, the Daryl character who's not even in the comics. He's completely a show uh, original, and he's become a huge, you know, a huge part of the show. Uh, I think the other thing that bugs me about the show in the the situation that they're in and that there is no it's just like the next place that they might be able to be safe for a while or something is after what happened at the farm and then what happens at uh, the prison you it seemed like they had a plan for like getting out you know with the mm-hmm. bus and all this stuff wouldn't part of that plan be like we'll all meet up <laughs> like XYZ destination, but yet everybody seems to be you know, sort of off on their own. Uh, and secondly, wouldn't more people do what Michonne does and ha- get themselves a couple walkers to follow around? Because that seems to work really well. Yeah, that works better than you would expect it to. Of that, if you just cut the mouth and arms off a zombie, then no, none of the other zombies are going to mess with you. It seems like <laughs> that does that works remarkably well. If you stay, if you stay close enough to them, you know you you don't get noticed by the other ones, and then they can't bite you because they're without any <laughs> arms or mouth. So, but yet everybody seems to you know, I don't know. It just seems like there should have been this episode was all about them sort of finding a place to hold up for a little bit. Cause obviously uh, Rick was pretty bad off, but yet some of it. And then like Michonne just like, is like, well, I may, I'm just going to go my own way. And then she decides to come back and see if she can find, uh, you know, some people and uh, is, is happy that that happens. But I'm hoping that yeah. like we see the next couple groups, you know, like next week and then, Within like two or three episodes, hopefully that they're they sort of meet back up, like that there's a place that they're all trying to get to after. Because right now it just seems like everybody's just scattered. Yeah. No, and, it's the amazing race right now. Yeah. You know, everybody's <laughs> off on their own. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I, that really I, I can't wrap my head around is how did Michonne find where Rick and Carl were? Like, I guess they showed her like looking at their footprints, but boy. She was really on the case of, especially considering that she was walking around with zombies and going places that Rick and Carl didn't even go, that she was really able to figure it out. First, they went to a bar. Then she knew exactly which house they went into. So uh, that was excellent tracking on the part of Michonne. Well, luckily, he had dropped the giant can, used can of of chocolate pudding pudding right in front of the the house that they were staying at. But yeah... uh, I, I don't know. It was a little, it seemed like in the period of time that, I don't know, I guess by the time she got back, those tracks would still be there, or at least she knew the, the direction they were going, but, uh, and then kind of, you know, going along. I think it might have been a, a little too, maybe a little too easy to find them, but then it also worked with the story that, that they were telling about her and her backstory of, yeah. You know, but what tracks? I mean, they, they were they were in a residential neighborhood. I mean, they were on they were on well, like a, a street. How are you following their tracks? Yeah, after yeah, after a little bit, you run out of the dirt road, and you're you you come across. Uh, I, I guess you come across what looks like a fresh zombie kill at yeah, the I guess uh, so. at at the at Joe and Joe Junior's uh, cafe. So and we'll just and go you, with it. And you figure that from there they must. You know, they must have continued on this direction. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it 
it it worked enough uh, yeah, that not a of, big deal. of all the things that I was questioning about the episode, that wasn't necessarily one of them. I wasn't like, but you know, she's also you know in her time has developed into an expert tracker uh, since uh, since this is all this is all gone down. I mean, everybody and, needs to have a skill. And they would do that on Lost all the time, where it's oh, like, yeah. um, you know, somebody would be completely on the other side of the island. It's like, oh, I, I tracked you the whole way, the whole way here. I saw which le- which branches were broken. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's, it's the it's the expert the expert tracker. Overall, I think it was almost a little too slow at times, but I think the stories that they were telling worked. Uh, you know, sort of having Carl come around to realizing that while he he is growing up and and can kind of take care of himself that he also still needs some other people around and uh, you know needs his dad around because uh, there for a little bit it looked like they were sending him off on the you keep wondering are they have they brought him back or is he going to turn into the, the psycho killer again mm-hmm. <laughs> type of uh, character because uh, he was definitely with the I win, you know, type yeah. of stuff. Was where where is this uh, uh, this heading? But then he sees a can- giant can of pudding. <laughs> you realize yeah. he still is a kid. <laughs> That's the win. That's <laughs> yeah. when you know you won. Yeah, find one hundred twelve ounces of pudding. <laughs> That's right. I ate the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep saying that I'll go back and watch, and I will eventually. I'm sure because I do. I did that with Breaking Bad too. Like eight years later or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I watched the first season and eventually I'll go back and watch beyond the first season. Um, but that's the walking dead. Well, uh, well, I wanted to say one thing. Uh, I, other thing with the Carl storyline is I did like what they did with him thinking that his dad had died and changed possibly. And yeah. cause he's had to take out his mother. He had to take out Shane uh, you know, all the adults in his life, he's pretty much had to, you know, he's just lost his baby sister. So I think that that storyline sort of uh, worked uh, pretty well uh, that uh, I, you know, I'm going to keep watching, even though there's <laughs> even though I have problems with like every episode, there's still something within each episode that's compelling. And then when they do the giant zombie thing every once in a while, those are spectacular. So. Mm-hmm. But it does, it does make you wonder. Like you were saying, though, is like how long can you continue to watch when there doesn't seem to be any goal? Like there's never, ever, ever going to be any safety. People that you get to know, you know, are just going to die <laughs> at some point in time. Right. Uh, it's like how much, how long can you go where that's enough? You know, where pretty soon, not having something bigger leads you to you know where you're just like, well, I've seen. How many more times can you see Michonne chop a guy, you know, a zombie head off? And, and well, it seems to be working for now. <laughs> for now, it's, it's working really well. Yeah. When you come back and you premiere uh, to, you know, almost to f- almost 16 million overall and on a night where, you know, pretty much everybody is for like the next couple of weeks is just like running away from the Olympics. Well, okay. So that's actually a good segue. So... The Walking Dead, I'll catch up eventually. We're going to talk about reality. And the, the Olympics is on my list here. And I, I watched the Olympics all weekend. 
so like during the day on Saturday, I watched the figure skating. During the day yesterday, I watched like Soul Style, and I watched the end of whatever, the end of figure skating. Um, partially because if I'm going to watch it in prime time, I'd like to be prepared to know the ending. It's like reading the last page of a book. But I was so bored last night because I've seen everything that I went to bed at like 8.30. <laughs> so I understand why. Like, it's hard when the Olympics are eight hours away and things are already happening and I'm getting push notifications on my phone that I forgot that I signed up for. And then I get really upset that the Netherlands took all of our speed skating medals or whatever. Um, so the Olympics are kind of boring me. Bob Costas' eye is freaking me out. And I've had enough of Maria Sharapova. She's the only person that NBC seems to be talking to because she spent four years in Sochi as a child. <laughs> enough with Maria Sharapova. Is there not somebody that does a winter sport that they can talk to? Yeah. <laughs> and then Maria Sharapova took me to a, like, they went to, like, a dumpling house. I'm like, well, I, I understand. She speaks Russian, and you can watch Yevgeny Plushenko at the Russia house with them. Uh, Yevgeny Plushenko, who, by the way, I can't believe he's still competing and still doing really well. Um, I'm like a huge Olympic fan, so it's kind of bumming me out that, A, the United States so far has kind of really not been doing what I want them to be doing, and, B, I maybe I forgot that I did, got bored. Did I get bored in Vancouver? I don't know. All I know is that I'm like, when is the next exciting event going to happen so that I actually have something to watch instead of watching, like, moguls all day and then being disappointed? Uh, I've never been know. a big Winter Olympics fan, but yet I usually end up watching some of it, you know, or certain events or something, but I haven't watched a second of it. I mean, neither. I, I haven't, I haven't even, you know... You know, I haven't even like accidentally come across it. Like, <laughs> I haven't even accidentally like flipped to a channel that, you know, some cable channel or NBC or something that it's airing on, like, uh, during the day or, or at night or something. What's uh, been interesting is that in previous Olympics, like, all of the NBC Universal channels were airing it, but I think that this time around it's just NBC and NBC Sports Network that is pretty much airing well, what they're, they're going to be airing. I think they have. There's some others like USA Network and stuff like that has some like live programming like in the middle of the night and and uh, that's true. And, I, I and do other have times and stuff. I think there's some of their other networks they're showing stuff. Uh, you know, some of the live stuff, and then apparently there's a lot of on-demand stuff or things that you can get to by logging into, you know, like Xfinity if you're a, a Comcast yeah. customer and. To watch their streaming, you have to log in with your cable information. But, yeah, I'm just in general disappointed. Like, Paulo Ono's not there this year, and I'll be a huge fan of him, and, or a huge fan of his. I don't know if Kelly Clark's still there. Like, there's just people that I, I remember in the past eight or nine years I've been fans of. I don't know anything about Slope Style. Bodie Miller, you know, didn't do anything. And just, like, all these people that I actually recognize and are voting for, voting for, rooting for. <laughs> like Idol. Uh, <laughs> Man, I voted for you. Um, maybe if they, trouble. maybe if they could have somehow worked the voice into their Winter Olympics coverage, where well, there's been enough commercials about it. <laughs> but I don't know. So the Olympics, I'm still watching, and it, it's actually going to go on for another what's today, the tenth, eleven or twelve days. Well, what so do I you think of their part. of trying to use the Olympics? Uh, they're going to show like a couple of you know, what they call special episodes or whatever of a couple of their comedies at the, like the end of the broadcast day or something, or, and then they're going to introduce Jimmy Kimmel 
over like the last two or three days. You mean Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Jimmy right. <laughs> that would be breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> Big news. Yeah, um, Jimmy Fallon. But like he's not going to be on till like midnight or something. Uh, it's about a boy like, on Saturday. He's not going to be on until eleven o'clock because they're airing it after. Uh, and all I can think of is uh, the Summer Olympics a couple years ago. And yeah. let's see, there was the show with the with the monkey. There was well, go that on. Failed that show was terrible. Uh, but there were all these shows that they tried to to get this Olympic bounce of showing the first episode, and then. Well, because, and that's the problem, because they have so many, like, they have views on demand, and they have people watching on their phones or whatever, they don't get the ratings that they were getting. Well, all so, you got to do is look at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl had 111 million people watch it. It dropped down to, like, 20-something million for New Girl, down to around 15 for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, right. which is, like, multiple, multiple times more audience than they get on a regular night, and then two days later, they're they get the same ratings that they always get. There's no bounce, no nothing from putting these shows on after these. <laughs> you get them sampled by these these large audiences, but then nobody shows up to watch them. I couldn't care less about Growing Up Fisher because I really didn't like the pilot, though. Maybe the addition of Jenna Elfman's going to help, though I love Parker Posey, so probably not. Um, but I love About a Boy, so I want About a Boy to do really well. I just don't think it's going to do anything. I don't think it's going to be worth it. I don't know. I think that it's not smart. They should just do more prime time, air more news, put Bob Costas and Mary Carrillo back on TV, let them do stuff. Dan Patrick can do something, and then About a Boy can air after the Olympics when it has a shot. But that's just my opinion. Um, so the Olympics. Uh, Top Chef, I want to say I was not happy with the winner. This is why I hate Okay, this bothers me. On certain reality shows, you have one person who's just done so well all season, wins a you know reward after competition, after quick t- you know, quick fire, and Nina killed it all season. And then they don't you know they don't take into account anything from the past. They just focus on this final food challenge, and Nicholas, who's been a total dick all season, wins. I feel like maybe because he's from the area, I should root for him, but no, he gave the Philadelphia area a bad name. And I just, I knew he was going to win the minute he made the finale, just because it always works that way. People I don't want to win tend to win some things, like Top Chef all the time. So I was upset, but I'm glad Nina won the um, fan award. Nina won, like, I don't know, some random Bravo voting thing. Uh, And she got $10,000, which is not the title of Top Chef, but I'll take $10,000. I'm sure she was happy about that. So that's my Top Chef complaint. And I feel like they don't change it up enough. I don't like the Last Chance Kitchen. I like the idea of Last Chance Kitchen in that it gives someone a second chance to come back into the competition. Someone like this this year, Lewis beat maybe 11 people and then was finally in the finale, only to not make it to the real finale. I think that they should put people back in sooner than the finale so they have a chance to reprove themselves, not just to Tom Colicchio, but to the rest of the panel. That's just what I think. Bravo's never going to listen to me. Top Chef. Under the Gun. Oh, sorry. Project Runway Under the Gun. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which they changed the name of the show. It's cracked me up, and this is the only reason I wanted to talk about it. Aside from the fact that Nicholas is a terror. Nicholas seems to be a common trend. 
he's a terrible mentor in that he's basically designing the outfits for his people. But this was called Under the Gun when it premiered, and then it had terrible ratings. So the second week, it was called Project Runway Under the Gun. Like, it was a noticeable <laughs> title change because I think they thought that by calling, knowing Tim Gunn was involved and by calling it now Project Runway Under the Gun, people would tune in. It's basically a different version of Project Runway, and past winners are helping mentor new talent. And, of course, they pick the most wacky and crazy people they can think of, and they're like, no, she's got real talent, and she puts, like, wood on someone's dress. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm still watching because I like to judge people. <laughs> it's pretty much what I do. Uh, so I want to talk The Amazing Race with you, Rob. Yes. What are your thoughts on the All-Stars that are coming back this season? And would you really call them All-Stars? I guess well, my, my take. Not everybody, of course, is an all-star. And there are some people that I think they did do a good job with. There are some people that you say, what are they there for? But isn't that really what an all-star season is on reality TV? You know, there's always, they bring back some people that you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to see this person. And they always bring back some people like, what? What? Yeah. How is this person an all-star? And it is kind of fun because the, I'm sure the players that are there also play into it also. It's like, you don't, you don't even deserve to be here. So it. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. I am looking forward to the Amazing Race All-Stars. But, Amory, who is annoying you that they brought back? Oh, there's like a list of 10 people. The, the people who, okay, so <laughs> all, the twins, all 11 teams. The twins that call themselves twins. The twinny thing just drives me. Not that I don't think they were. Like, I think they were good competitors. And I actually think that they didn't make mistakes and they just kind of happened to face the getting in last place and getting kicked off. But, God, the twinny thing just drives me mad. I don't love the Afghanimals. Yeah. I don't hate them. Jason, do you know what we're, what <laughs> we're talking about at all? Yeah, I can explain more. So <laughs> the twinnies are there. I believe they're uh, Sri, uh, Sri Lankan, uh, yeah. Natalie yeah. And, and Nadia. And they are identical twins. And they have a habit of they are very competitive and they cheer for each other. So a lot of times on The Amazing Race, one of them is doing something and the other one is like, come on, Twinny, let's go, let's go, come on, Twinny, let's go, you could do it, come on, you fool, let's hurry up, let's go, Twinny. <laughs> and it annoys the crap out of everybody else in the race, like, oh, come on, shut up, we get it, you're twins. <laughs> like, come on, Twinny, let's go. Um, but they are very fun. And, and so, and that's the thing, if they didn't have that Twinny thing, like, I they weren't bad competitors. They weren't people that I'm like, how did they even make it back onto the show? Because sometimes they bring people on and I'm like, why? They were terrible. Um, yeah. But they weren't terrible, which I will, I will give them that. They were good competitors. Yeah. No, there's a couple people that they brought back that's like, what? How did, uh, what is this person uh, here for? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. You were talking about Afghan animals. I just don't love them. <laughs> yeah. There was something about them that, I don't know if it was an arrogance that they had that I didn't love. Um, but again, they weren't terrible competitors either. They had a shot, and they didn't do that poorly. It just, I don't know. I'm glad to see, I am very glad to see, um, well, I don't know their name, David and Connor, I think. The, yes, the two, David and Connor. The, they were can both cancer survivors, right? I believe they are, son. yeah. No, they, uh, yeah, father and son. And then he busted his knee. And his he, dad. he tore his ACL, I think, or and, his Achilles they, tendon. And they still won two legs. <laughs> the next two legs, they still won. Yeah. And it was like, so you found yourself totally rooting for them for that alone. So I, I'm excited to see them compete. 
kind of, you know, fully healthy and see where that goes. I cannot stand Marky and Luke. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of the interviews or a lot of the things that I saw about the Amazing Race when they were on either the first, they were on twice so far, I think. And um, just, it was all like, you know, people don't understand me because I'm deaf. People don't. It's not that. It's that you and your mother are incredibly annoying. <laughs> That's their claim. Like, I don't care if you're deaf. You're still a really annoying person. Oh, I don't anyway. think you're allowed to say that, Amory. I might not be allowed to say that, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> you heard me. You heard it here first, people. Love Flight Time and Big Easy. Love mm-hmm. Mark and, and, and Bopper. Love them. I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it's a good group of people. What about Brenchel? You didn't mention Brenchel yet. Uh, there, I, I like Brendan. Um, oh. I, I don't mind him. He was kind of inoffensive to me almost because Rachel was so, I don't know, whiny. And I can't shave my head. I uh, Shave your head. You're going to win a million dollars. Like, I just don't <laughs> that's some him. That's some high praise, <laughs> Amory. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I, they're not my favorites that are returning. I'll say that. Yeah. They might fall somewhere in the middle for me. Like not not a team that I really don't like. Just a team that like why are they back? Your thoughts, Rob? For for Brenchel? Yeah. Well, and just to sort of clarify for for Jason. So Brendan and Rachel were originally on Big Brother 12 and fell in love in the Big Brother house. They came back on Big Brother 13. And Rachel somehow actually won Big Brother 13. Then they were on Amazing Race 20, um, which was then following that. Then they got married. And then Rachel's sister was on Big Brother 14. And then, I'm sorry, Big Brother 15, I guess. And now they're back for their second time on The Amazing Race. So it's quite a resume that they've put together. That's, yeah. that's quite the reality resume right there. Yeah, no, I, I love that they're back because they, the great thing about Brendan and Rachel is that they fight, they fight with the other teams and they fight with each other. So they have all this <laughs> internal and external conflict. <laughs> so it's always exciting when you have them around. <laughs> Do you know a team I don't even remember? Caroline, Caroline and okay. Jennifer, is that them? I, don't, I, know that, I know that they say they're musicians. Yeah, so they brought I don't remember they, them. they brought back three teams. I believe it was from Amazing Race 22, which was the season that was on last spring, and that was the same season as Dave and Connor. They but mm. uh, they also brought back this team, John and Jessica, who I think got eliminated on like the third or fourth episode. And, and they so had the, they yeah, they had, had the, um, pass. express pass. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Jason, the express pass is a thing where you could sort of like skip a entire challenge and just go right to the finish line. And somehow a team lost came in last, even though they had the express pass. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and now they brought them back. They brought them back. Yeah. It's but like I, all those people who get kicked off a of survivor with a, an immunity idol in their pocket. Right. But at least on survivor, <laughs> you could get blindsided. I don't know how you this get blindsided true. into <laughs> not knowing you were our last. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, then I, I don't, so I'm looking here. Who else didn't we talk about? So those blondes are the musicians. Yes, they were the country music singers, and they were sort of like boyfriend oh, and girlfriend with the hockey players. One of them is John Wayne's granddaughter or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the other one is like related to like Daniel Boone or something like that. They both have yeah, like they have some, some weird. Some American history past. Yes. 
Jet? Is it Jet and his brother? Uh, and Jet. Yeah, the Cowboys. With their hats on all the time. They are kind of middle of the road for me. Don't dislike, don't love, but wouldn't mind rooting for them. Like, they're not a bad team. They're not someone I'm wondering why they were brought back necessarily. Yeah. And then the last team that I haven't really commented on is Joey and what's her name? Megan. I don't know. I feel like I remember him being really grating and I didn't like him. Joey and Megan. They're team YouTube. I remember I remember that they were like YouTube or whatever. I just don't know. I just I guess I can't really remember how they raced or if they were any good. But I'm interested. I who knows if they're gonna change the way they race or they play the game yeah. now, having been through it. I know I'm sure that you go back for a second time and you try and change up what you did, unless you did really well and you're just gonna keep doing the same thing. Yeah, well Joey and Megan, they were are not back because they are particularly memorable racers. I mean, Joey, if anything, he was best known as being sort of like super um you know, flamboyant on the show. He's always like, you know, screaming and sort of like, uh, like bouncing around, but he's a huge deal on YouTube. Like he has, uh, I believe he has like millions of YouTube subscribers to his channels. So he, he comes with a built in fan base. So CBS will have him back as many times as he wants (laughs) to come on the race. CBS knows what they look for. Yeah. I mean, that's why they, videos that can have more views than the amazing race <laughs> he doesn't like he like the race needs him they don't need he doesn't need to go on the race that's funny i mean it's why they keep bringing people that i hate back on survivor yeah because i know people are going to tune in to hate watch russell hands right or brandon hands or yeah, any of them any of the hands family i know we're going to talk about opposite worlds and it's not on our list but i did want to take i want your take as someone who's been there, done it, on the new season of Survivor, what, what you've read or what you think about what we're going to see. First time in a while, we're not going to have returning players, which I kind of like. Yeah, you like that it's new players? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. You know, I think that everybody says that they like that they don't have returning players, but then <laughs> when, the, when the ratings are down, then everybody sort of also freaks out, like, oh, this is boring when there's not uh, new players. So this is the first time since Survivor One World, which was two years ago, that we have a season that doesn't have any returning players on it. So, and that was kind of a boring season, Survivor One World also. You know, you had one person in Kim who sort of dominated that game. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, but I do think that this is going to be a good season. Uh, they've broken the tribes into brains, beauty, and brawn. So there's three tribes divided on these three sort of uh, kind of crazy types of attributes that people could have. And some of the people are pretty interchangeable. Like some of the people could just be on any of the groups, but there's a lot of people who I think really know how to play the game this season. That's what I was going to ask you, Rob, at the beginning is uh, I saw the ad for for what they were doing with this season of Survivor. And so if you were going to be on, what group would you end up in? I think, well, I would be one of the brains. I guess, uh, and it's really more of a process of elimination than anything else that I think they would say. Well, we know he's not brawn and we know he's not beauty. So well, we'll find a place for him on the brains group. I can't stop watching Survivor. Can't stop watching it. Yeah. Well, it's, you know what? It's still, it's been, it's good. You know, the season that was just on was, you know, one of the best received seasons that they've done in a a long time. So uh, Survivor is not running out of uh, gas. Now, we'll see how it does against Idol 
in right. the springtime, but it made short work of X Factor, and people said, "Oh, Survivor is not, you know, in the is, is not going to hold up against X Factor." And you know, X Factor is gone, and Survivor is going on to season uh, twenty-eight coming up. I mean, it's so funny that week after week, I'm like, I, I as a person who's been watching this for what twelve years, I'm still surprised when things happen. I still don't understand how blindsides happen, and I'm still so surprised by them. And I can't imagine being on the island and thinking, you know, especially a whole team of, like, everybody that we've seen before not really being aware of the fact that a blind side's coming. It's just, those are things that I like to see, and that's why I keep watching the show, and I'm very excited. And I hope that people learn how to kind of play, because I'm sure everybody that's on this show this season is going to have seen it, and is going to try and play like someone. So it should be interesting. Yeah, and the, and the better people that are at the game that they put on the show, the more competitive it makes it, and the, mm-hmm. you know, more crazier these moves are that people because everybody's sort of like built on this you know 14 year history of this show i mean they don't put people on jeopardy that don't know the rules of jeopardy so you know when they find like these models and people that's like oh yeah you'd be on survivor it's like they're so outmatched when it comes to people that really know the 27 season backstory of the show and everything that's ever been done before right so we'll see I'm looking forward to it. And It'll be fun. So you, I have not watched Opposite the world. I've only seen previews. So I'm interested to see like, what happens in an episode. So what happens in an episode of Opposite Worlds? Yeah. Okay, so there are two episodes of Opposite Worlds every week. Now, the premise of Opposite Worlds is that it's sort of like a Big Brother house. But the twist is that they call it a social experiment, but it's really a kind of a dumb experiment. The experiment is that half the people on one side of the house live in a futuristic house. And then the other half of the people live like it's the Stone Ages. So there's like everybody on one team is like all dressed in white and they have an iPad and they live in a futuristic house. And then everybody else on the other half, they are like in these animal pelts and they're in all earth tones and they live in a cave. But there's like a glass wall that divides the house. So you could see what's going. If you were in the future, quote unquote, you can look and see what's happening in the cave. And if you live in the cave, you could see what happens in the completely white house where people are wearing all white clothes and, you know, drinking champagne and have an iPad. Hmm. Okay, so the every week there's there's two nights. It's on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. On Tuesday night, the action is about the sort of they have a a fight over who gets to live on which side of the house. So they have basically, it's like if you've ever seen on, you know, if you remember Survivor Fiji, they sort of had where it was sort of like, oh, there's one good camp and there's one bad camp. That's sort of the idea. And you get to pick which camp you want to go live at. And basically there's been the people who are in the past have lost every single competition and they're just (laughs) getting smoked by the people uh, who are in the future. Then on Wednesday night is the elimination night. And the way they do eliminations is a little bit interesting. They have two people go head-to-head in sort of a duel. And whoever loses the duel ends up going out. It's sort of like a rip-off of, like, the challenge on MTV. Okay. And so, and, and the way they choose that is sort of uh, complicated and convoluted. They have, <laughs> they, on Tuesday night, they select one person from each team. And then America selects which person they want to decide who goes into it. But they don't really tell you who they're going to decide. They just say, oh, pick me, America. I want to pick the people. (laughs) 
And so, but they always just pick the, whoever's from the past because America is roots for the underdog. So they always just right. pick whoever is from the past. And so then they pick two people for the duel. And, but instead of like trying to like, okay, let's put our best person up against their worst person. The people from the past keep trying to, okay, well, let's put uh, our best person that we have left against their best person. And maybe that'll then we can maybe get their best person out and maybe we could win the other side of the house. But their best person keeps beating whoever they <laughs> – like instead of like let's just get somebody out from their side. They've been trying to really go for the Hail Mary and they've been losing uh, the last couple of weeks. Love it. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So idea. going into the show – like when you first heard about it, what was it ab- about the idea of the show that made you not want to just potentially watch it, but uh, end up adding it as a podcast? Well, for one, it's the Survivor off season, so we are uh, looking for things to talk about. <laughs> that's 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 one. But it seemed like an interesting show. It wasn't a super a super long run of opposite worlds. So. It, and it's fun. It has uh, certain things that are elements uh, elements that are interesting to talk about. But it's not super strategic it's more like we're more talking about what's happening but there's not a ton of strategy that happens a different reality show that i've been following which i feel like has been uh much more entertaining has been king of the nerds on tbs have you guys uh seen this at all i saw parts of season one yeah i've seen previous season but i haven't seen any of the season yeah it's great, King of the Nerds. And there's one guy on this King of the Nerds season two. His name is Zach. And he is really the, the I said, I think he's the greatest reality TV villain since Russell Hance. And oh, he yeah. is so I- involved with himself. And he's basically, he's almost like if maybe uh, Sheldon Cooper and I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll go back to uh, Russell Hance had had an offspring because mm-hmm. he's this evil nerd and he's very he's diabolical and he can't get along with anybody from his team. And he goes on all of these rants and tirades and he, he is he's great. You have to <laughs> just just watch this show for this guy, Zach. All right. King I'll of the nerds. Try. Yeah. And that Booker and, and Caradine. Yes, David. Uh, David Carradine. Is that yeah? Is that Keith or is that the wrong character? Keith, Keith is Martha Plimpton's dad. Yeah, David. Yeah, David is the guy from Revenge of the Nerds. No, they should um, just let Booger host the show by himself. The other guy is just dead weight. Booger is oh, doing. He's fantastic. The other guy is really just just there. He's uh, mailing it in. Booger is giving you a hundred ten percent. Gotta love. I love Booger. He's a new girl this season. Yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> The other guy is really just, you know, getting a paycheck. He is the Dunkelman to Booger's <laughs> nerdy Seacrest. <laughs> he is the Dunkelman. I like that. That's a great quote. Yeah. Uh, so that's reality for the week. Is there anything else that was out there? I mean, I'm going to watch America's Next Time Model when it comes back. I know that because they're doing guys again this season. I don't know if that's going to be back until the summer. But, yeah, so I watch more reality than I think I watch. And then I write it down. I'm like, oh, I'm watching a lot of unscripted tv jason would be so angry um but it's fun i like competition series i'm not a big you know reality fan every once in a while there's a certain show or something uh that that pops up uh in the reality in the scheme of reality things i like the competition shows over you know like the real housewives or things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's really uh, you know things like american idol and 
and then you have you know the amazing race and survivor all these things are just sort of the new game show uh mm-hmm. and and of there used to be you know lots of those uh types of things in the past and this is just sort of the new take on that type of idea and uh those i have a, a you know sort of a little more respect for cuz there's something you know there's something happening you know people actually win something and right. uh, <laughs> it's not just fake you know reality <laughs> where they're trying to create sort of their own story out of these sort of real people i don't i don't know well as somebody who who podcasts about reality tv i think that there is good and bad reality just like there's good and bad yeah. scripted and good and bad yeah. sitcoms and everything like that so you know the worst of reality gives you know the all of reality tv a bad name but there are you know there are things that are real survivor uh a show like that would not have let you know be on the air 14 seasons you know if it was not something that was you know made with you know a great deal of care by people who are interested in putting a good product out there as opposed to other things which are just sort of like you know lowest common denominator and and you know stuff that is really there's nothing to be gained from watching some of these other shows yeah, something it's just something to have in the background, you know. Right. <laughs> yes, it's something for me to yell at my wife when she's watching. <laughs> really, we're again. What is what is this? <laughs> yeah, so that's reality for the week. Um, TV on DVD picks for Tuesday, February eighteenth. Uh, I'm going with Nurse Jackie season five. It was a really good season, um, but I don't necessarily think you need to run out and get it. <laughs> again, high praise from Amory. It is. I watched it. No, there's not a whole lot of stuff coming out uh, uh, for on the on the 18th. Uh, but Game of Thrones season three uh, is coming out, and uh, so if you've been watching it via you know DVD or whatever instead of on HBO, then it's coming out. And uh, it, it was it was a good season. I I really liked the third season because uh, sort of going back to the what I was saying about the walking dead is in season three of game of Thrones is they kind of told uh, a lot of, you know, they're telling a lot of different stories, but they checked in with each of those in all of the episodes. Mm -hmm. So you didn't go like one or two episodes. And then all of a sudden you were like, Oh wait, who are these people? And what Mm -hmm. are they, you know, what are they doing? They told a a little bit where you got a little bit, little pieces in each episode uh, moving everybody's story forward and it was a lot easier to follow uh, and and keep track of with the there's a lot of different stories going on in that in that show. And there's going to be almost double that in season four. Oh um, so, yeah, next week, Jason will be joined by Kyle. Kyle you see what his full name nearly people don't know what it is. <laughs> Kyle from No Reruns.net and Wayne Henderson from Under the Dome Radio. You can ask him who he thinks is going to die on Under the Dome. You can find links to the news stories and DVDs we talked about, as well as where you can find Rob online in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 213. Let us know what you think about the shows we covered this week on Twitter at tvtimes3. Um, Rob, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I had a lot of fun talking about uh, a, you know, a bunch of different uh, TV shows. And uh, we'll have them back someday, someday down the line. Uh, the opening and closing music is provided by IUDA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And that's all she wrote. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Like a 
nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of